Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This episode is sponsored by Our Nanny Diary. I am so excited to tell you about Our Nanny Diary because I have used this product in my nanny day and it is a total game changer. I use their communication log, which is a bound book that you get that you can communicate with parents. And it's so wonderful because it is made by nannies for nannies. So the the way that it is formatted and laid out is so great for making communication easy without as much mental load from you. They have cues for exactly what you should write down and check boxes for things like what time a a diaper change happened, things like that. Um, But they're also more than just communication logs. They have amazing downloadable packets that can offer help to families and nannies. They have downloads that help with household management, templates for check-in meetings, which can be hard to navigate if it's your first time, specific downloads for infant care and a nanny educator bundle with lesson plans and more. They even have introduced a nanny evaluation bundle when it's time to discuss that raise, which is so helpful. And coming soon, they have a nanny onboarding bundle to ensure success with new nanny family relationships. I highly recommend you visit OurNannyDiary.com and look at the choices that would work well for you and your nanny day. Be sure to follow them on social media, Facebook and Instagram for great resources, specials, tips to use their diaries, and more. Visit OurNannyDiary.com today. Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, I'm so excited. We are going to be talking about outdoor play with Reagan Fulton. Hi, Reagan. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I am wonderful on this uh, beautiful post full moon evening. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's uh, I saw that moon the other night. It was gorgeous. Um, Rowan literally like his reaction. My son is like, oh, my every morning when he sees it and it's I, I there's a video on my stories you gotta go see it's yeah. so stinking cute like that was this morning I finally caught it on video and it, oh like my, my god my little moon child <laughs> I love that I love yes. that I um am a recovering actress and one of the monologues that I used to do I know <laughs> but I am um one- <laughs> I'm a theater kid. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a techie, but I'm a theater kid. Yeah. That's yeah. One of the monologues that I used to do for auditions all the time has this line that's like, oh, Mr. Moon, you're so big and round and yellow. And like, think what, it, is, what is that from? It's from um, I Hate Hamlet. 
Okay, I was say I think I've heard that. Like, so my sister was the actress, and I stage managed. So I like almost went into stage management. So yes, yeah, but my sister, my sister was on stage. I got on stage a little bit, but she was the actress. <laughs> Love it. I did yeah. both. I stage managed sometimes, acted sometimes, mm-hmm. did it all. Yeah. Um, wonderful. Okay, well. Let's hear, before we start talking about outdoor play and the ways that we can incorporate that into our nanny days, because I have been wanting to talk about this on the podcast for a really long time. And I'm so glad to have you on because like, this is your area of expertise and I love it. Um, I love. Yeah. But before we talk about that, let's hear like your nanny journey, your journey working with kids. Yes. Um, So I say, as I always like to kind of joke is, is I knew that this was like, I knew I was going to be a mom. And like, that was like what I wanted to be. And I always said that when I was growing up when I was seven, (laughs) Um, but my, I I had a cousin, um, she was born. I actually meant to text her. I won't use her name um, because I didn't text her, but she was born when I was seven. And from the moment she was born, I literally remember like being in the hospital it was flu season. She was born in February. So we weren't allowed to, we thought we were going to be able to go back and see her, but we weren't allowed out of the waiting room. And like, now it's like, well, duh, like we live in COVID world. Right. But, um, but like, it was like, it's a little seven-year-old me was so heartbroken. And from the day she came home from the hospital, she was my little best friend. Um, we grew up, I grew up in a neighborhood of nine houses, five of them um, were family members. So my grandparents, great aunts and great uncles lived in the neighborhood. Um, And like the whole free range kid movement that's coming up, that's how we grew up. Like, and when it wasn't a movement. Um, And so, so much of obviously what I do now is incorporated in that, but um, even just related to my nannying journey from that moment, I that was, I was basically a mother's helper at seven years old to my aunt. <laughs> um, she, if she needed, um, I helped like, if she needed a nap, I would come over and hold the baby. Um, and if I, you know, if she needed to run up to the grocery store, because we had all the family members there, um, probably not when she was first born when I was seven, but by the time I was eight, nine, 10, she would leave the, like her younger kids with me, um, knowing that, you know, my grandma or my mom was right down the you know, two houses down. Right. Um, and she would leave them with me to go to the grocery store, run errands. And so that was really the beginning of me as like a babysitter. Um, and all throughout high school, I babysat and I was actually homeschooled. So not only that free range um, style around, um, you know, just being outside, but we all grew up learning together. So my aunt, mm-hmm. um, the one who you know, was basically my, uh, my first mom boss. She, (laughs) she is a teacher, she's an educator. So she, um, homeschooled her own kids and taught us English. She was an English teacher, um, at a local high school before she had her own kids. She now teaches at a, um, school that she like helped develop from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So I got that education growing up and that also allowed me to be more flexible with my work schedule. So, you know, when I talk about my professional nanny experience, I don't count it until I was 18, but more so than most 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, I was working and doing a lot of the work as a nanny even before that. So I had a mother's helper's job at 15, um, which I 
have reconnected with that mom boss and I'm super excited she posts Aww. pictures of her boys sometimes they were babies when I worked mm-hmm. with them and I, I went back and like, I think it was 2010 um and so like like and so it was like yeah. she was recovering postpartum so that was that job and it was it was a great start because I didn't know her at all I had never really worked for anybody as a babysitter who wasn't like my mom's best friend my mom you know a good so that was a good like first almost step into you know this as a job rather than just watching my mom's friends kids um and then even at 16 and 17 I was good taking college classes at our local university and the post-secondary enrollment program so I was taking classes in the morning and I was literally I was picking kids up from school taking them to their activities doing homework doing dinner like um the whole nine yards, including like it was half day kindergarten. So I had the kindergartner from, you know, noon on some days. And so I've really had that intensive experience there, but I didn't start nannying straight out of high school. Right. (laughs) Uh, So I, you know, unfortunately spent a lot of money going to college. Um, (laughs) not a lot, doing a lot of us regret uh-huh. that. <laughs> right so I went to University of Cincinnati um started as computer engineering um mm-hmm. and when I was looking at co- like colleges I went through so many I didn't know what I wanted to do like I sh- totally shouldn't have gone to college um but I was between like computer engineering and photography early childhood education and paralegal studies Wow. Quite the, quite the platter there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, even when I say it, I'm like, I can't even, I can't even imagine how I got there. So, but I started with computer engineering um, and just decided it wasn't for me, switched into early childhood education, my second semester um, with the intention and with everyone telling me that the ultimate career path with that was to work in a daycare or work in a preschool. Mm. And that was all I could ever be if I did that. Um, so I went and I worked in daycare mm-hmm. uh, for six months and got so burnt out that it was like, it was absolutely horrible. And I was treated really poorly, taken advantage of. Um, and I was 18, um, you know, still in college trying to take ECE classes and stuff. And so I ended up quitting without notice because they weren't paying me um oh, overtime yeah. yeah they were like yeah they were doing some sketchy stuff to not pay me their overtime that I was owed um so I didn't go back and I then quit college and went into retail for two years mm-hmm. um so during that time I nannied part-time um luckily I had a couple little families that I did part-time for but I thought that I was going to go manage a retail store and because everyone around me was telling me that if you want to go into education, you have to be a teacher. Yeah. If you want to work with kids, you have to be a teacher. You'll never be anything. And I never really knew that nannying was a possible career. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, as I was going through that journey, my best friend, Sarah Foster um, was developing her career (laughs) Um, and she had gotten connected with Cincy Nanny and Greta over there um, which is just a wonderful wonderful organization I'm so lucky to be in this city because it was like not even a question as soon as she I like was like I don't know I'm you know I think I'm gonna go back to nannying you know I don't want to go back to retail what am I gonna do she was like 
let me connect you with Greta. You need to talk to her. Um, and I didn't get end up getting placed with Greta. But before I um, found the family I ended up working for, I interviewed with her and it was just a lot of confirmation like, oh, okay, I can do this. Like, yeah. this is a career. There are other people that do this and take it seriously. Um, and so that was a really big like pivot moment for me looking back um, because it was literally the week before Black Friday. <laughs> um, I was working at Victoria's Secret as a merchandising manager. So it like just imagine all of the stress in the world and I turned around and you know the next week was caring for the three most like wonderful children with the most amazing family so I was went full-time with them dove in I also worked at Starbucks I was working like 65 hours a week um and then I got pregnant with my son Mm. in March so started with them in November got pregnant in March and um, my mom boss was actually one of the first people I told because one, I was so stinking tired and like, it was like so drastic for me. Like I went from like, eh, like (laughs) me to like zero energy, could barely stay awake. Um, And I felt like, like I owed that to her. And I also trusted her, um, which like people are like, you told her, like you only knew her for that many months, but she is like the most incredible human being like to this day. I will say that she is one of the most incredible human beings. Um, so I told her and immediately there was no question about um, you bring him when he's born, you take as much time off as you want. Um, they weren't able to provide me paid time off um, just which they had to pay a a temp nanny that was more expensive than me even because she was temp nanny um which I understood like they weren't in the position but they even supported me um where they could um I ended up taking six weeks off and then came back with my son um to just like family and it just was absolutely wonderful um but before I even took off for my maternity leave which was like three days I started to get the suspicion that mom boss was pregnant (laughs) oh with number four um so and she was so when I got back from maternity leave she told me and I I, and I knew um she stopped drinking her morning coffee every morning Mm -hmm. um it was pretty it was pretty uh and started chugging chocolate milk which I had known we had talked about that she did in her previous because it was that was how she did her heartburn in the morning so like I noticed that like being in the house every day with them you know you know their routines and when mom boss all of a sudden stops making her espresso and starts drinking chocolate milk I noticed very quickly so um (laughs) well exactly and so basically I was like what's one more um but also we'll see kind of thing and that's what the both the attitude both of us had going into it um and like I said she's just both of them but um especially mom boss are just the most incredible people um and so in the middle of her maternity leave after baby was born we both looked at each other like and said this is going to be too much um Rowan was seven months old Mm. when their youngest was born um and it was just he he was just he actually walked it eight and a half months so like he was super mobile already um she was teeny tiny um and I also was struggling with postpartum anxiety which my mom bus pretty much told me to go to the doctor and I'm like so thankful like she like definitely helped me 
realized that I needed to um, talk to my doctor about it. Honestly, in that conversation where she basically fired me slash told me to quit. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and so that was, and so I ended up going to another family and then I, that one, that was just long story short, bad. Um, I could, I could do a whole episode, a whole <laughs> podcast episode on my bad families. I got two of them and they're the same. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, oh, but, um, then I found right after that, that family, I found my family that I was with for the next almost two years. So I was with the first family for almost two years, um, a couple months with a bad family. And then I found my next family who once again, the most incredible people ever, <laughs> like mom boss is one of my best friends to this day. Um, and unfortunately, um, in the middle of COVID in October of 2020, um, we got the words that they were being relocated to China oh. with, um, their jobs. So while I was like, obviously super, super excited for them, heartbreaking because, um, my Rowan at this point is, he was, let's see, it was October. He was about to turn two. Um, and him and Bubba is not his real <laughs> name. It's his nickname. Coco and Bubba are his best friends. Um, there is, there is buddies and, um, it's still, it's, we miss him so much. Um, yeah. but that relationship was so, so special and the relationship with mom boss, I definitely credit with helping me like become myself, I feel like, um, and come into my own because she believed in me so much. Um, not only did she trust me with household management stuff and help me kind of step up in my nanny career in that way and believe in myself more, um, just as a person, like she believed in who I was and encouraged me and loved me for who I was and all my quirks. And, um, that was like a huge step for me. And it was like super timely because, um, I just had that time. Then they ended up not leaving. They were supposed to leave at the beginning of December. They ended up not getting out of the country until March, mid-March. And they still are not in mainland China. They're in Hong Kong because oh, um, they can't get to they can't get to China because the dependent visas can't get approved. Oh. So, um, so yeah, it's that was an absolute whirlwind, and I ended up going back to that first full time family that mm. had the fourth kid during that time, um, during the transition and through the summer, um, because they were losing their nanny. I was I had I was interviewing. I had some options. But we had been chatting a little bit and she was like, should we bridge the gap? Let's bridge the gap. Let's do this. Yes. And so it was just, and we had a wonderful um, spring and summer with my babies. Um, I had my crew of five um, adventuring around the city this summer. Um, lots of, lots of camps and swimming and um, running, but we just had a blast. Um, and it was so wonderful to be with them and have another full summer with them. Um, and I know I'll, I, they'll always be in my life. Even when we, I didn't work for them full time, I traveled with them um, for family weddings, um, birthday parties. We see them all the time. They're, they, it's one of the wonderful parts about this job is yeah. the connections that we make. And it's a whole different ball game once you have kids and you're raising your kids together. Mm -hmm. And like, 
I say that knowing how special the relationship is when you don't have kids, like know that, like, and so it just has made me treasure it even more, um, raising my kids alongside these wonderful human beings. So, um, so yeah. So then after the end of the summer, I was supposed to start with a new family and that would be, um, kind of horror story number two. Um, and I mean, respectfully, they, they saw it too, after two days of trial and we decided this is not going to work. I couldn't bring him back there. Um, I couldn't bring my son back into the environment and I had towed with the idea of doing in-home care when I was interviewing and like had ended up going with this family. Um, and so I looked at my husband and was like, come on. And he actually looked at me before, like I even like really verbalize the idea because what about playful acre we're on an acre so our yard is exactly an acre um and we moved in we bought this house from his great grandmother um almost two years ago now or maybe a little bit over two years ago now yeah it was 2018 um oh my gosh three years now wow yeah time Time. um weird (laughs) oh no it was 2019 yeah time is really weird time's gotten weirder um And so, yeah, so I just jumped in and started a nature preschool, which is something that I have always loved, but almost like not realized how much I love nature because it was just so much a part of how I grew up. Um, To me, it's, it was just normal. Like that's just, (laughs) that, that was just how I grew up. And the more I've gotten into the education field and talked to other nannies, talked to other, you know, teachers, educators, parents, like realizing that that's not the normal. And if I send my kid to public school, that's not going to be his normal. And I don't know that I'm okay with that. Um, And I don't know if I'm going to homeschool him all the way through or if he'll end up going to school, private, public, whatever. But I know right now that like this is where he needs to be. He doesn't need to be in a program. He doesn't need to be, he needs to be exploring nature. So, um, yeah. yeah, So that's kind of how I got to this point. I love that. I love everyone's nanny journey, but that that's, it's a really special one. And I love that now you have playful acre and what a wonderful name. Like I, I know I've heard it before. And I, every time I'm like, that's a good name. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's what I was like. I was like, my husband, when I told him I was going with it, he was like, you don't have to pick it because it, it was my idea. And I was like, no, I actually like it. Like it was, it, it was fine. So it was, it was PAC at first, Playful Acre Child Care. Uh-huh. Um, but as I've kind of developed in the, the ideas come to fruition, we've dropped the child care. Yeah. Um, so we're just doing Playful Acre. Um, so that way I can kind of have, have some options with where I go with it. So yeah, truly. Well, that is a beautiful lead in to talking about outdoor play and nature play and the importance. So let's start just with why is it important for us to get outside? Like, why is it not important for yeah. us to get inside is the real question. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. I mean, there are absolutely endless, endless benefits um vitamin d consumption helps your mental health it helps your physical health um there's recent studies actually out that show 
that like your eyes are the only way you can absorb vitamin D. Like you get it like a, basically a straight shot of vitamin D when you're outside in the sun mm-hmm. through your eyes. Like you have to be out like, and <laughs> just if you have ever suffered from seasonal depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, the power of vitamin D. And if you don't know that that's why you have seasonal depression, that's why you have seasonal depression. Um, or one of the reasons why, um, and uh, as someone who, and I know it's very complex because I am someone who struggles with, um, depression my whole life and anxiety, um, and it always gets worse in the winter and Mm -hmm. only in the past couple of years have I realized why, um, and yeah, just getting outside. And so like, I've been more intentional about still getting outside even when it's cold, even when it's, you know, not necessarily the perfect temperatures and it's made a huge difference, um, just in how much I swing up and down, um, during those seasons. Um, and with kids, it's like times 10, I feel like my, my mantra for kids is if, if it's broken and I know not broken, but like, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's broken, unplug it and plug it back in. No, if it, if, if the kid's broken, you either take them outside or put them in water. Like <laughs> yes. when my son was ba- like a baby, like that was it. Like we bath, bath time, outside time, like he was colicky, whatever, anything. It almost always fixes the problem. Um, yeah. And part of it is, I think, just a shift in environment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about just changing a kid's environment and the opportunities with being outside are endless with the environments you can offer them um, and they can find themselves right and also it's just it's just good like it's it's there's something magical that happens when you take a kid outside like have you ever sang that like you do what is it bubble guppies yeah bubble guppies nickelodeon hit me up (laughs) bubble guppies outside when you sing that outside song it doesn't matter if they've never seen the show Mm-mm. they know I mean like I don't we I don't think I've ever sh- shown the show to my kid more than once or twice but he knows the outside song because we sing it and their faces light up yes. because there is just something about being inside and connecting with nature and when you do it in an intentional way it like wraps all of the social emotional learning stuff in with it in such a beautiful way that like I almost feel like I am learning more than the kids are as we go through and as we learn together. And that's like my biggest takeaway and my biggest thing that I urge with any educator when you are doing any type of education, but especially nature play is, is you're not doing it right if you're not learning something with them. Yeah. yeah. I, there is no amount of nature learning that should be planned from a textbook. Oh gosh, yeah all about observation it's all about following their interests and you know the benefits you know and obviously this isn't a list of benefits but as you can see like they are absolutely endless because when you're talking about getting out there and just exploring in nature not only are they using their inquisitiveness asking questions um just being curious but then problem solving um whether it's problem solving, how do I get that stick that I want that I can't quite reach, you know, from Mm -hmm. physical things like that on your own to 
oh, we both want that stick and how am I going to solve that problem with my friend? Um, when you allow it to happen in orga an organic way instead of a forced way, you learn from them more than they learn almost. Like, like there yeah. are times when I look and I'm like, oh, oh, that's how I solve the problem that, that you know, disagreement with my husband we've been having, <laughs> like, like yes. straight up, like, I have, like, watched kids, like, and not the first time, you know, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and I'll even be tempted to go step in and help them, mm -hmm. but when I step back and let them do it on their own and let them figure it out, often I'm surprised, I'm like, oh, oh, like, yeah, that's how you do it, and I didn't even, like, think of that, so that is, like, the absolute most beautiful and most important thing is, is like always staying curious with them. Um, I mean, I literally was like preparing for this. I was like, I'm just going to bring all my books in here. We go to the library and just pull books and books and books off the shelf. Do I have some, I have some resources. I have some curriculums that I use that have book lists that I pull from for certain times of year. Sure. Right. I also just walk up and down the aisles and pull what I want off the shelves. And I let the kids pick out a couple books that they just want off the shelves. And oftentimes those are our favorite books. Mm -hmm. um, the, and, there's something about a book that like calls to you. I feel. Yes. Um, I've recently found one. Oh gosh, where is it? Passing kindness or giving. I, 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 I put it on my Instagram. So check it out on my Instagram. Okay. Um, but I'll have to, I'll have to find that thing and send it to you because it's absolutely wonderful. Aww. Um, you can post a link because it's, um, I think they're an indie authors. I don't know. I tagged the illustrator and she commented on it and was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're like, your art is so beautiful. Um, had a little fangirl moment. Um, so I think they're like a small indie author, um, thing, but it was, it was literally, I was walking down the aisle and one of the kids grabbed it and I was like, oh yeah, that looks cool. And like, it's my new favorite book. I'm like going to buy a copy for everyone for Christmas. Like, oh. it's just, it's that beautiful and it's simple and it's diverse and it's inclusive and it's just everything. Um, so it's my, yeah, it's my new favorite book. I love but, it. And I don't even remember what it's called. <laughs> okay. So Martha, you're so great at asking everyone else questions, but I'm going to turn the tables and ask you a question this time. Okay, I'm ready. What is the hardest part of being a nanny that you didn't expect? Oh, this is an easy one. Managing the parents, for sure. I went into nannying thinking it's all about the kids, but there's this whole other half of the job, which is really important for my career progression and job satisfaction. Well, I can totally understand that. As a parent myself, it's often hard for me to understand what my nanny is doing with my kids all day. Right. It's like the work is invisible. I think that's often why it's undervalued as a profession. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what if I told you that you could make this invisible work visible? Ooh, how so? Well, it's a new app called Raise Kids. You know, with features like an event log, photo sharing, skill-based activities, scheduling, chat, and care, it will be obvious to parents all you're doing to develop their children, and they will love you for it. Well, that sounds amazing. How do I get it? It's available on the App Store and Google Play, free to download, but there's way more to be explored with a premium subscription. Oh no, do nannies have to pay for it? No, we do not want nannies to pay for it. It's very much designed as a tool for nannies that has huge benefits for parents. And we fully believe that parents should pay for this as a work tool for their nannies. Phew, 
Okay, just curious, how much does it cost? So it costs $20 a month, which is less than one hour of childcare in most areas. And for the listeners of the podcast, we're giving you one month free, which nannies can use themselves to explore or provide to their employers to test together. Well, that's an easy decision then. Where do listeners go to get this discount? They can go to raisekids.com, R-A-Y-Z-K-I-D-Z, slash Chronicles of Nannia, enter their email, and receive a unique one-time use code in their inbox. Awesome. Okay, everyone go check out Raise Kids app on the App Store or Google Play to explore this professional tool tailored to nannies just like you. A small kindness. A small kindness. A small kindness. And it's a small kindness by Stacey McNulty and illustrated by Wendy Leach. And it is like, it's just beautiful. I can't even, it's like all about like how kindness, just like butterfly effect of kindness. Um, and I, I, like I said, I didn't even pick it out, but how we do books um, here at Playful Acre is, is oftentimes I will just grab our stack of library books or if we've got certain books that I'm actually, you know, I've pulled off my bookshelf from my library that we're using for that week for whatever interest they're going through. And I will just stack the books up um, next to me on a picnic blanket and I will pick up my book or I'll pick up my nature journal um, and I just start reading. And so I'm not mm. reading to them, but I just start reading while they're playing um, and one by one, almost always one picks up, a, comes and picks up a book or one comes up and picks up a book and hands it to me and asks me to read. And all of a sudden we're doing circle time. And that's how circle yeah. time happens. Um, because guess what? When you say, uh, hey guys, come sit down for circle time. No, nobody's interested <laughs> um, because that's not where their interest is. And that's not, you know, there's so many, they, they see a cool stick right now that they want to play with. And I want to encourage that. Um, yeah. I want them to follow their interest and become who they are and who they want to be because I feel like so much of our education system does not encourage that um, anymore and or never has. I would say ever has. And I was thankfully so lucky to have the education I did and be home with my mom. And um, I was not diagnosed with ADHD until I was an adult. And you know, my mom has actually asked me, like, do you think if you went to school, you would have been? And I said, I don't know. And I might have been, but I don't think that I would have been any better off because the education that she provided me by literally just tailoring everything we did to our interests. And, and and it was before it was a thing. It was before unschooling was a thing before, you know, you know, all the, you know, clubhouse groups and Facebook groups, this is the early 2000s. You know, we were game schooling and unschooling and nature schooling before those were even terms. Yeah, and I feel like the early 2000s was like the height. I mean, well, maybe the 90s was the height of like being really scared to send mm-hmm. your kids out into the world at all. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and I mean, I, I certainly think the 2000s was a continuation of that but like stranger danger in the 90s was which yes. we now know if anyone listening doesn't know this it's not stranger danger it's right the call is coming from inside the house the majority of the time yeah um, watch who is closest and also teach your kids about yes. tricky people yeah not Absolutely. strangers 
those who who make you feel icky if they make you feel icky or ask you for anything then those are tricky people and those go find an adult you trust (laughs) and we don't keep secrets we only keep surprises is my other one so like and that's how I've gotten around like because you know especially to get older but you know but it's daddy's birthday and we had bought a present for him like but we got to keep that secret no that's a surprise yeah um so um that is that that's always my little my yeah. little uh, consent and and bodily bodily protection spiel oh. is yes no secrets surprises. just surprises love it absolutely yeah um I'm training to become a, a therapist right now and we talk a lot about like a no no secrets policy in mm-hmm therapy because I'm doing family therapy. Yeah. And so it's like, I will help you find a way to tell your parent that. Yes. Um, or if it's the parent, I will help you find a way to tell your kid that in a developmentally appropriate way, but yeah, we're not doing secrets. Yeah. But if you don't tell them, then we'll have to like, yeah, (laughs) that's, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I, I'm curious about, with nannying like I love what you're saying about like embracing where they are meeting them where they are and like if they want to look at that stick right now let's look at that stick right now Mm -hmm. I'm curious when kids all run in different directions how do you how do you help handle that of like I, cause I could see as a nanny, like you're going to a park and everyone, you know, if you have more than one child, which mm-hmm. most nannies have more than one child yes. and they're all wanting to do different things in different directions. How do you handle that? So part of it is, um, like you said, stranger danger isn't the danger. Um, I do believe in, um, assessed risks. So, mm-hmm. Um, risk assessment is something that is absolutely huge for me. I do have a little freebie on my blog. If you want to check it out, um, that I put together because I actually had some nannies asking this specific question of not only how do you approach it, but when you're a nanny, how do you approach it with the parents? Because you can't make that decision on your own a lot of the times, because a lot of the more risky play stuff, um, is, is something like you need to talk to the parents about, and I don't want anybody to, you know, implement some of this stuff some of it is you need you can take your kid outside right. um but you know <laughs> there there's some of it's like you need to sit down and so I have a little tool to help you kind of bridge the gap and have the conversation um but a lot of it is one small steps so I absolutely don't take kids like on a hike in a nature preserve that's like open and take six of them on day one of right. like having that, kid, that group together um I start when I'm with a new group of kids, I'm almost always do fenced in parks. I know where all the fenced in parks are in Cincinnati. Um, And it's just about uh, assessing risks when you get there. So if we come in and I'm, you know, at a fenced in park, obviously I'm seeing, okay, where are the gates? Where should I stand that I can let these kids play on the playground and have fun and explore and think that they're playing alone and think that they're at risk of getting lost that 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 that's that's uh one of the risky play things is like playing and as they get older actually encouraging that like 
playing without supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you get into, you know, the older elementary years, like going off and being able to ride your bike around the neighborhood or, you know, go into the woods by yourself. Um, but it's all about the steps and getting there slowly and teaching them how to assess risk. Right. So, you know, we get out there and we look at the playground, we put ourselves near the thing, we see, okay, over here is a tree that has some fallen branches. I know my one kid likes stick play. So I'm going to remind him that if we're going to play with sticks, that we get room. If I see anybody walk over there, I'll just pop over there and remind them. Okay. My one kid is a little bit uneasy in his feet. So if he gets on the playground and is going up the ladder, I'll pop closer to him. But other than that, I stand back. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get weird looks a lot of times. And especially when my son was younger, because I'm more extreme with it, with him. Right. Um, of course. <laughs> obviously there's always a little bit more, um, liability when it's not your own kid but because of how much um one he just was always physically strong and he's just that's yeah you said he started walking at like eight months yeah yes yeah um so he at like you know probably 15 16 months was climbing up to the top of the playgrounds by himself and I wasn't right on his butt obviously I was close by I was watching him um but I wasn't standing under him because I knew that I had seen him slip and hold himself until I could get there. Yeah. I knew his strengths. So a lot of it is just knowing your kids abilities. Um, And the great part is when you're a nanny versus like being a a teacher in a school is, is it's so much easier to learn your kids abilities because you have such a more intimate relationship with them like obviously I know my son's abilities intimately so I can let him take more risks than I would take let any other child take but you know my nanny kids even more so than my preschool kids um and I'll get there eventually but like my old nanny kids could trust them to do things because I knew their limits they knew my limits they knew where was too far right and they knew how to you know whether it's climbing a tree and you know, I could trust that my eight-year-old nanny kid didn't need me standing there watching him because I've seen this happen with other nannies or parents or caregivers didn't need me right under the tree watching. Oh, be careful. Make, watch that branch. Oh, 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 be careful. Because I knew he knew how to do that on his own. Right. I knew he knew how to assess the risk and feel each branch because I've reminded him enough times as he started climbing trees. So it's all about conversation and being in it with your kids so when you're in it and you're teaching them and you're learning with them you know they know the expectations because they're sitting there learning the expectations with you Um, as you're learning their boundaries they're also learning your boundaries and it's like this reciprocal circle that can also grow or shrink because you know when you were mentioning earlier the kid who's not necessarily a study on his feet. Mm-hmm. That also made me think of like, I often will assess for like, are they super tired right now? Like, did we skip morning nap and things like that? Like that all factors into that equation as well of like, okay, this afternoon, like he didn't have a great nap. So we're going to, I'm going to be a little bit closer 
than on an afternoon where I know he's well rested and like good to go. Or I would say I might, so Rowan, um, my son is, he'll be four in November. Ah. Um, so unfortunately he's like in the middle of dropping naps right now. Thankfully I held on to him tight since now. Um, but he is in the middle of dropping him. So on days where he doesn't nap, we don't leave the house in the afternoons. Right. Yeah. I mean, like if it's just he and I, you know, and we got to get something done, but I don't, I, if, if I know we are going to go for a hike afternoon hike or something, I make him nap and I, I'll like bribe him. Like, oh, you want to go on that hike? Right. Cause he loves <laughs> hikes. Like want to do this right you got to actually sleep because he's at the point where he needs them but he's been able to skip it enough times that he doesn't think he needs them yeah um but he's out at like 6 30 if he's, <laughs> he doesn't nap so totally. um I'm like child you need a nap um <laughs> and yeah so exactly like just being mindful and then like I said teaching the kids to notice it themselves is also important so like you know when we don't do something because Rowan's too tired, I tell him, and you know, it's not as a punishment, but like, you know, your body's pretty tired and you don't have good self-control. Would it be safe for us to, you know, go by the river, we take a hike by the river right now when we might not have the best control of our bodies. That's a very, that could be dangerous. Right. You know? And so I talked to him about it so that way he can learn, like I never did as a child, how to recognize it and how to recognize those signs. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you mentioned before about like, you know, the the caregivers that are like, oh, ah, be careful. And I, I was curious about like some of your language that you use instead of be careful. Oh, is it in here? No, it's not. I literally have, I have a printout of, of the things to say instead of be careful. Um, and, and that is something that I am still to this day, like work on. And often, oftentimes I'll say, be careful. Oh, and then I'll and then I'll say the correct phrase like I always say it um but um you know hey make sure you're make sure that limb feels safe listen to your body like literally Mm -hmm. simple things like you know are your feet feeling steady right now Mm -hmm. um watch that rock is slippery make sure you don't slip you know right watch your footing um really about the noticing so rather than telling them to, cause it's not that you want them to be careful, right? That's, that's not what you want. You want them to notice that there is a danger and you want them to act accordingly. Right. Right. Yes. You don't want them to take care that you're not holding an, a dangerous egg. We're not holding an egg that we're trying to bring. We're not taking care and rocking. No, we want them to act smart. We want them to think before they act. So rather than telling them to be careful. Yeah. Which also is pretty meaningless. Like to yes. to a kid, like what it does that mean? I go sit on the bench. Yes. Because I don't know what that I don't know what that looks like. Yes, and I don't so want yes. you to be careful. We don't want right. them to. Yeah, exactly. You don't want them to. You know. No, so I don't like when my nanny children come sit on the bench. I'm yes. like, this is right. Martha's quiet time. Uh huh. <laughs> right. You're playing okay. loudly over yeah. there, and I, say- I am. One other phrase that I'm working on, and I've still got to come up with some um, alternatives. One phrase I'm trying to work get rid of is "go play." (laughs) I need to come up with alternatives to go play (laughs) because I'm like that is the ultimate. But I do need to, yeah, some some more mindful ways to say that. Yeah, I I will say I often use like, oh, have you slid down every slide yet? (laughs) 
Oh, I like that one. I like, like that. I noticed you slid down the twirly slide, but did you slide down the really high slide? Oh, yes. I, I love that. that. And there's, and there's that word, the notice again, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and even when you think about social, emotional and being seen, like when you are walking around with the kid and you notice what they're doing. And so a lot of um, what I do in my school and what I, you know, my goal is in helping to advocate and help other caregivers see this is observation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so in the state of Ohio right now, I am license exempt um, as the, you know, my in-home daycare, technically I keep six or less, so I don't have to be licensed. So I don't have to submit anything to the state for like standards or anything like that, but I do um, keep observations and, you know, track their growth and not from a, are we going to meet, are we going to have them ready for kindergarten? Absolutely not. And I actually, I had one parent ask me that, you know, like, do you think, you know, do you have a program that would have them ready? I'm like, probably, but no, like, I'm not going to promise you that. I'm going to promise you that they will grow. Right. I'm going to promise you that they'll learn, but frankly, the whole ready for kindergarten, you know, I kind of explained my philosophy and they actually were like super on board with it. It was, it was a nice moment, but you know, the standards that I follow are not to, you know, reach a threshold, but to see where they're growing and help me notice where they're growing. And then in turn, turn around and help other people see the benefit and help them see oh, what they're doing isn't just playing, you know, and that it is, it is, they are just playing, but they're learning how much they're learning through that play. Um, And by documenting it and by sitting back and observing. And I mean, I do a lot of just sitting and watching with the kids. I'll sit back with my notebook and just sit down and jot notes. And like you said, that's when they want to come and sit next to me. And that's what I'm always like, I'm trying to watch somebody. I don't, I'm not not snuggling right now, but um, it's just amazing the things that you see when they think you're, you're not watching. Um, And, and the way that they play when it's not with you, when it's by themselves or with other kids and, or, and there is a, in a lot of times I've experienced this as a nanny, but there is a, a magical moment when like a kid trusts you enough, when you play mm-hmm. with them enough and you, um, oh, I, I just was listening to somebody like doing like 10 minutes of intentional child-led play and it was, it was a way of like a connecting as a parent, um, mm. I believe is what it was, is a parent talking about like repairing generational trauma, but like doing that intentional play. And I was thinking about it, like, that's when they trust you. Yeah. And the play that happens after those moments, when you lead, follow the direction and really listen to them and really like get into what they're doing, then they trust you. And like, it's a whole new world of like seeing their imagination. It's just, it's wonderful. So. It is. Yeah. I was, um, I was watching my nanny baby today. Um, just like sitting and watching and my goodness, mm-hmm. it's just so fascinating to, to also, I love the moment when you see something click in their brain mm-hmm. for the first time ever, you know, like, yes. Oh, this is how I, open this book or this is how I, you know, like, and, and, and if they get excited about it and then I'd say, I have like for sure cried 
before at like a kid like realizing that they did something new and then getting so excited and like giving that like yay me face like mm-hmm. it's so beautiful that was I, that was definitely when I was pregnant um <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean um, same I mean not when I was pregnant but I have <laughs> I've definitely cried yes. in those moments yeah no I had a, I had one kid just this a couple weeks ago um say something to me and so I've got a couple all, all these COVID babies, all these, bo- yeah. all these COVID babies can't talk. No. All these COVID babies can't talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's what, that's what, but so like most of my students are like fresh two-year-olds who have never been around other kids. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, because I have such a small nature-based program. A lot of the parents who have been attracted to my program are parents who are very COVID conscious, Mm -hmm. but want the experience for their kids. And so like the fact that we are outdoors so much and such a small group, um, you know, helps them feel more comfortable. And also like before they came here, they, they weren't in daycare, they weren't doing play groups, they weren't doing nothing. So they, but had one kid, um, he what did he say what was the word he said because I can't even remember because like in the past like week he's had one of those like language explosions you know like same z's my nanny kid I like came back on Monday after a weekend and I was like you got like 15 new words yes right that's what so I've got three of them who like all three of them didn't talk when they started with me um and so like obviously I think that just even being an environment helps um and obviously there's things that I do to support them but they've all made this giant leap. And the one said something, he said like help or more or ask for water. I forget what, what the word was, but it was a, it, he was asking me for something and I was like water. And when he realized that I understood him, like, I thought he was going to cry. I'm, oh. I talk, I'm talking about it. Like, oh. I thought he was going to cry because he was so, because he is like, he's a little bit older than two. And he, um, he doesn't have any like diagnosis, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if like a proxy, like he, he's there and you can tell that his words are there and he just can't get them out. Yeah. And he's just starting to find his voice. And like, it was just, it was just beautiful. That is, I yeah. love that. I love that so much. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit before we started recording about like this idea that there is this explosion right now mm-hmm. in like nature play and homeschooling and things like that, but it hasn't, at, at least to my knowledge, like been quite as explosive in the nanny world of like, get them outside. I, I know that there are certain nannies that that is very much a focus for them, but yeah. um, I'm not seeing it across the board as much as I actually might expect. (laughs) And so I'm curious about like ways that because you've been a nanny and now you have this daycare that is this preschool, um, I'm curious how you like incorporate outdoor play as a nanny. Like how can you get more of it? How can you like make the most of it, you know? Yeah. So um, the big, so that was really interesting. Your thoughts on like how you haven't seen as much as nannies. And I totally agree. And I had had this thought until right now when you said that, but 
I think a lot of it is, is because so many nannies, when the first shutdowns happened um, in March, like dove so much into giving their all to their nanny families and their nanny kids and coming up with so many cool ideas. And in so many ways, it was so wonderful because so much creativity came out of it. So many cool ideas. But I think that the focus and the feeling like we have to be doing something all the time because the parents are here watching us. Oh, yes hindered a lot of like free play and caused a lot of burnout with a lot of nannies too, because they were going 10,000% every day mm-hmm. trying to be the teacher and the mom and the nanny and, and the friend. I mean, like, let's be honest, like, right. I don't think I would have ever been as close as my mom boss, but it's different. There's another emotional layer when you are in and out with a friend who like, you're your only adult contact. I mean, like we were our only yeah. adult contact and like besides social media. So without stepping out of that and intentionally making space for yourself and for your kids to explore is really easy to get bogged down in those like, cause we all had to find something to do, right? Right. Everybody had to find something. And at first it did, like, we didn't know that, mm-hmm. that it couldn't, it wasn't as easily transmitted outdoors. So at yes. first, like just the outdoors in general were very scary. Right. Oh my gosh. Remember like pumping gas, like the like yes. first time I had to pump gas after the shutdowns, just like being like, and because and like, I think that's like, we didn't have masks. Like we didn't have like that security. Like it was just, it was horrifying. I mean, it was just, right. I was like, it was traumatic and for sure. And I was super, super thankful that I had my property and wonderful bosses who let me bring the kids to my house a lot. So that spring, we spent a lot of time at my house actually. And so that also kind of helped my, my pivot into the nature school because I was able to see how the kids could, you know, be here and how it could work a little bit on a part-time basis. Um, But the biggest thing with nannies and is one, the conversation with your nanny parents So when you're on the same page about, about that, you're intentionally going outside and letting them just play and get dirty. And that's what you're doing on purpose. And it's not because you're being lazy. It's not because you don't want to do your job and because you just want to sit there and do nothing. It's because it is good for them and help sharing with them the benefits of the nature play um, is I think step number one, because that was one thing with my mom boss during the beginning of COVID is, is she's not an outdoorsy person, or at least wasn't. I love, she's now in Hong Kong, like hiking every weekend and like <laughs> exploring the city. And I'm just like, so proud of her. Um, and I love it so much, but she, you know, wasn't, she was wiped the kids feet down before they come inside after outside play, which I still, I still do for, and then, and like, and w- our, the beauty of our relationship was that she helped me to figure out how to have those conversations, like without having to have the same mindset necessarily and how to work together to give the kids what we needed. So we had the understanding that she didn't want to go out there and dig in the mud with the kids, but it was okay that they were out in the mud and muddy and that it was good for them and that they did that with me. 
and that you know the benefits and then honestly probably just through seeing the benefits of it and like as the boys grew and seen being home more with them probably um she you know she definitely started seeing benefits and I like saw her open up to like just like loving being out and she always liked being outside some but she's definitely not as uh not as willing to get down and dirty as she is now so that, that, that that's my proud uh I guess it's be a glow down if you're talking about getting more dirty but it's a, <laughs> that's my proud glow up um from my mom boss um is a seeing her explore outside all the time over there so um, ah. But yeah, so being on the same page is step number one. And then step number two is just really taking small steps every day, but taking advantage of whatever is around you. Um, So that might be that you don't have a huge outside space, but if you have a deck with a water table or a sensory table, get out there and get out there all year round, put snow, you know, do snow and do different things. Um, Obviously like being a nature school I'm very inspired by forest school mm-hmm. philosophy um, from the UK which is literally they there is no school building it's you have an outhouse and you you school is outside um, so I'm obviously all for the you know get out there but if your step is to take 20 minutes a day and go out to the sensory table and splash in the water or play in you know some dirt and then 30 minutes and then 40 minutes, I promise like it will not feel like you're stretching the time. Like eventually you'll just, it'll feel natural. Take your book out. Um, and then another big tip, which is, this is where I feel like so many people are like, I don't like the outdoors, Mm -hmm. um, is be prepared. (laughs) Um, is, is like, know the weather, you know, check the weather, obviously, you know, but you know, dress for the weather, have layers in the fall and winter, and you can be outside. I mean, it's, we spend more time, or I say, we probably get put inside more from the heat. Yeah. It keeps us inside more so than cold. Um, In Cincinnati, like heart of the Midwest, we get all four seasons hard. Mm -hmm. Like we have like the best and worst of every season. So like, it gets super hot and that's going to keep us inside more than being in the cold because we can layer up like there's besides like lightning or like blizzard conditions like there's no reason not to get out there or when when it gets super cold we limit you know yeah the polar vortex gets me but yes yes yes, the past few (laughs) yeah um but even then it's like limiting the time exposure and getting outside at the warmest part of the day right so, you know, paying attention to when the sun's going to be shining, layer up and go get your 30 minutes, 40 minutes, even if it's, you know, that if, if it's, you know, 15 degrees outside, that's probably all I'm getting is 30 minutes, <laughs> but we're going to get that 30 minutes and we might do that 30 minutes, three times a day, you know, right. depending on how windy it is, whatever, but you can always layer up and add more layers if you, if it's rainy if you're, you don't have to be wet when it's rainy, like, yeah. And that's in the summer we, you know, we play in the rain and just our t-shirt and shorts and have right. a blast because it, you know, you dry off easy, but you know, even through the fall and the winter, if you have layers and a waterproof layer, the right boots, you can be outside and be happy. That's the other thing is, is like, you know, I even, I'm a, I'm a photographer too. So I've had parents even be like, you know, they, I'm afraid if the grass is wet, they won't be, you know, be happy. Right. Like, 
their feet don't ever have to touch the grass if they're wet. Like that's the thing is like, I am super understanding and I don't think that everybody has the same sensory needs. Right. But I think the only way to really get in touch and discover it is to just start little by little. Mm -hmm. And so then discovering, um, you know, what ways do you enjoy being outside? Do your nanny kids be enjoy being outside? It might not be that you guys like to hike a lot, but, um, if you like to bike, go, go, go to the, find your best bike trails around, um, you know, maybe fishing, um, painting rocks, you know, don't, maybe you don't like to explore, but you can go and at least, you know, get a handful of rocks from the Creek and then paint them. If you've got a budding artist on your hand, we um, love to do science experiments outside. Yes. I'll say, you know, like, because yeah. the cleanups are way easier yes. anyway to do everything outside. Cause then you just have to like hose, hose it off. And then the little critters came and eat anything edible and, you know, just yeah. to make sure it's environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we do that. That's yeah. That's a really good point because <laughs> yeah, I, I hate when it's like, they want to do something messy and it is bad enough weather that like it's rainy and we can't do that thing outside right yes (laughs) I really don't want to do it yeah uh I feel you a thousand percent (laughs) yes I say science experience and then um nature journaling is the other Mm -hmm. big one so you know you don't if you don't want to necessarily be in the dirt digging around or you have kids who don't want to be you can be out there and you can observe and you can, um, you know, be in nature and appreciate it by, with your eyes or right. with, you know, scent or what you hear. You could sit and journal the noises you hear and the smells you smell, um, whether it's by drawing or, or journaling with words, like nature journaling is a really great way to connect with nature. Um, and then just like, even if you're talking about the kids and their education, if, you know, you're coming back to saying, you know, parents need to see results, right? Not only is your nature journal, um, a product of like what they're learning and you can go back and see and the connections they're making, but it's also, it's print practice, you know, it's art, it's, um, it's science because a lot of times, you know, the kids will draw something and then we'll talk about it or they'll ask to see a picture like, oh, well, you know, the bug that they were drawing, crawled away and they want to see a picture so we pull my my cell phone is my best friend it's 2021 you better believe nature school absolutely involves technology yeah um or you know we don't know what the bug is i have a app on my phone that identifies plants and and animals um and or in insects and all animals um and so i'll pull that up and we'll learn about it right there in the moment and because we don't have a schedule we can do that like and so you know, those nature journals and, or books, a lot of times, if we're just sitting there flipping through books, we'll find something. Um, I do a lot of the DK books, like the anthologies, like science anthologies mm-hmm. that are just beautiful. Um, and it just like opens up conversation. Um, and that observation point really is what helps bring it back to like the parents and helping them see the benefit in what you're doing. So if you sit down and at the end of your day, during nap time, whatever it is, and just like reflect on, you don't have to write, you know, cause I feel like a lot of what we, you know, put in our communication, did this worksheet, sang this song, this is the letter of the week. 
but focus rather on like the story, telling a story of the connections that you made and the things you observed in them. Yeah. Like, you know, I sat and watched, you know, little Josie dig for worms. And not only did she use her fine motor skills to dig in there and, you know, you go through all of the things that you observed her do, you know, she also used cause and effect. She saw that when she pulled on the worm, the worm tried to go back in the hole. We talked about being gentle and kind to nature and that we could, we could, but we needed to be careful. We didn't hurt the worm. Um, Cause I'm all for exploring um, observe and don't disturb is my, is my oh. catchphrase for the kids. So we observe um, don't disturb. And it's, you know, disturbing is, 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 has some gray areas, especially right. when, you, especially when you're four. Um, yeah. Cause really I mean, like they it. learn through, through yes, touching and interacting. Exactly. So, so um, that's what we definitely teach the, the gentle touches and how do we, how do we observe it? And we can observe through touch, but without, we make sure we put it back into its home. We make sure we don't, you know, right. squish it, harm it, all that fun stuff. I always um, teach the, the five senses, even, you know, to, to really young kids. And I'll say like, Oh, come over here, come over here. What sense, what, what of our five senses can we interact with this? Yeah. And so then we're like, you know, and I'm like, well, we can't taste it. That's not safe. And then, you know, I'm like, can we look at it? Yeah, we can look at it. I am right now. Yes. That's, that's one of my favorite, um, like, and especially if you're just getting into, um, you know, nature exploration, nature walks, um, mm-hmm. a five senses walk is like one of my favorite activities. Um, cause like you said, when you're first introducing it to them, it's a great just lesson, especially if, you know, cause there might be parents who, they still want you to come up with lessons. You still need right. to report, you still, you know, you still need to plan, um, because that's what the kind of education they want for their kids. And that's fine. Um, I will say though, if nannies are out there listening and they are feeling like, wow, really love what you all are saying. I am in a family that really wants those like worksheets, flashcards type Mm -hmm. education. I will link, uh, there's an article that I actually wrote about the importance of play. Um, and I'll link it down in the show notes, but just a couple of quotes from it. Um, Lisa Sunbury from regarding baby, uh, says, As soon as you define a learning goal and begin to actively teach your child through using worksheets or introducing planned activities and materials that are being used in a prescribed way to teach number and letter skills, for instance, your child is no longer engaged in free experimental self-guided creative play and the learning is no longer her own. Yes. And then one more quote, and this one I think is, uh, is really quite powerful. Um, This is from Scientific America, and I believe it was um, a meta study, but it says the article concludes, perhaps the most disturbing is the potential for early exposure to academics uh, to physiologically physiologically damaged developing brains. Yes, you read that correctly. There's evidence to indicate early exposure to academics may actually damage developing brains, not what a parent wants for their child by any means. And that's till age seven. Mm-hmm. I so, believe it. Like, and it's shocking, but not shocking at the same right. time kind of thing. Like, 
oh, and because I've been my, more mindful of mm-hmm. noticing it, like, and seeing it, like, oh, that's, a, yes, definitely yeah. check out that. I, I say, I'm going to have to go find that and pin that back um, to my audience too, because that is a wonderful yeah. way to put it because exactly like almost it, I almost get afraid to like notice what they're learning sometimes and like right. get involved because it does sometimes if I like step in I'm like oh what are you looking at it's done they're done it, it's de- it derails it mm-hmm. completely and, so some, and and that's that's like one of the things that you have to learn and is is similar to the boundaries and safety is is kind of learning your kids and like when to step in and say something and when to just step back is something that's so individual to the kid um and, and moment also, to moment it's an ever moving target right I say my my uh my my thing is is usually is as if I already know the answer don't ask it yeah that's a good barometer yeah like and and, you know and there's some there's you know obviously some opportunities if you're already in conversation there's definitely up you know for you to say like oh what do you smell you know what letters does this start with I I do some of that too but if if I'm sitting back and observing and you know I'm not gonna say oh you know what color is that stick you're playing with or you know what color you know what color are you drawing with and less of them are you know in that conversation I'm not going to bring up those because like you said it's done and And so if I already know what the answer is, don't interrupt the play. Yeah. Um, and in the only time, sometimes I will step in though and be like, wow, I, you know, I, I noticed you're building something over here, but I can't quite figure out what it is. Can you explain to me what you're doing and can I help you? And if not, that's okay. Like I, I'll step yeah. back, but if you want some help, I'd love to help you. Cause it looks really interesting. Um, and you know, letting them explain it letting them teach you and bring them into what they're doing um is a way that you can engage with them and you know start some of those different conversations of maybe some things you're observing um or want to work with them on a social emotional level in a very organic way so i um, love that yes and i do feel like being outside especially as you were mentioning earlier like Right now, even, you know, we're moving back towards folks headed back to work, but a, a lot of jobs have become work from home mm-hmm. forever. They're now. not going back. Yep. And they're not going back. And so a lot of nannies are working with work from home parents mm-hmm. um, forever, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. And so I do find myself even, you know, like headed outside to get a break from feeling like I'm, you know, not necessarily that I'm being observed, but even like, I know that the parents are trying to not disturb our play as well. And so I'll like, you know, sometimes text, like, feel free to move about the cabin. Like we're headed out to the park. Yes. That's what like, you feel like you can't come out and get your coffee without disturbing our day. Yes. And so I, I think that the outdoors continues to present so many, I mean, you know, you were like the benefits are are endless, but specifically for nannies like we have even extra benefits of like a little bit of breathing room a little bit of like I can let them go play without feeling like ooh, like am is this you know keep them quiet so yeah, they're not disturbing yeah. is there a meeting going on right now or whatever yes. yeah and so I can let them you know 
I used to be able to like really let kids have the full tantrum. And now there is this like yeah. pressure of like, I can't, uh, I need to, <laughs> even, even when you way. know, yes. yes. Even I say, even like with my parents who like, you know, and I know I've walked in on the kids having tantrums for their parents just yeah. the same way. And, and we're on the same page of how to handle it, everything, but it's still, it's just like, you know, you're inconveniencing somebody else because right. you know, it's hurting your head. So yeah. And you're getting paid for it and they're paying you for it. So like, right. you almost feel like, you know, you have to keep them quiet. So yeah, no, that was when, when we just either just getting outside um, or when we were able to get to my house was just like life-changing when we, <laughs> during the beginning lockdown because um, yeah. And that, and then like nature preserves because we were able to still luckily in Cincinnati, because even, you know, playgrounds weren't safe. What was it? It wasn't until summer that right. midsummer that we, they finally were like, yeah, you can go to playgrounds and it's okay for the most part. Right. Um, that we did a lot of like hikes and stuff yes. um, where we did a lot know, of that as well. Yeah. Where you have more space. And so I think that gave a lot of, you know, nannies either and, and, you know, all caregivers and parents either really stepped into that because that was the only option for being outside there wasn't the you know the play structures the more traditional outdoor play that you know in sports and stuff like that that kids usually get involved in and so if you did it intentionally that was pretty much how you do it and I mean I don't know anybody who like has started like picked up hiking as a hobby and like regretted it Right. Like I've never heard it yet. I've been, I, I tried hiking a couple times. It just really was, it just really wasn't my, I've never heard that. You're right. Like, I've never heard that either. Because there's just something about, and you know, a hike can be like walking down the street and sitting on a bench for 30 minutes too, for all I care. But like, yeah. there's just something about being outside that grounds us and helps you to center yourself and just breathe easier. Um, you know, obviously on a physical level of fresh air, but also just like on an emotional and spiritual level of just letting go of some of the crap that you hold throughout the day. Um, and so it really helps, I think, both us and the kids to just breathe. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I do feel like we could talk about this all day and I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> And we will definitely be talking again about different subjects in the yes. future. Um, I say, I, yeah, at this point, I'm thinking about doing my a whole nature play podcast eventually. Oh, so exciting. Yes. So because it like I could talk about it forever and ever and ever. So, well, if listeners want to know where they can like find out first about that and about all of your other like your blog posts and your everything that you're doing how can listeners find out about yes. you <laughs> so um I'm probably most um active on Instagram um at playful acre um love my Instagram mm-hmm. folks um my friends over there and um always announce anything over there um so if like you just like want a one-stop shop where you can see announcements and most of the things and just be able to pop off definitely go follow me over there 
Um, but then playfulacre.com is the blog and that is where my focus is right now. So I am really wanting to give nannies and caregivers and parents these resources um, to get outside and just inspire. So um, I'm going to be pushing out a lot of content. I'm really excited about um, some of the stuff I've got upcoming. Um, so definitely check out the blog there. Um, and then if you're on Facebook, I have a group that is hashtag get outside Cincinnati and beyond. Um, and we'll link that I'm sure in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but come join that group. The Cincinnati part is really just because planning events. Um, I'd like I'm gonna plan some community events to get together in Cincinnati and specific hiking trails, but um, I share different inspiration, um, just community of caregivers, parents, nannies, and just nature enthusiasts who want to connect with nature and want to share it with the next generation. So. Um, I would love for you to join me over there. Lots of ideas and I want to grow. Facebook is still seems to be the best way to really connect with people and get, and that's why I want, I want to not only do I learn from the kids, but I learn from other caregivers all the time. And I love learning from other people. So I would love for you to join us over there and share anything that you have about nature play or anything. And then I also um, always show up every morning on Clubhouse Monday through Friday um, with the Year of the Nanny Club and um, Clearly Nanny over on Clubhouse. If you are a nanny or a caregiver, definitely join us over there. Um, because that is, I will say, uh, just a great way to start my day. Um, it really is. It's just, it's always, I mean, there's someone, there's something about Crystal's voice that just wakes me up and gives me a smile, but all of the people in that room, and it's not, you know, it is her, but it's not just her. It is, it is the community that has been built over there. Um, and, you know, obviously that's where I connected with you, um, mm -hmm. is just, it's just wonderful. So I invite you guys to all come. I'm definitely always on there. Usually, usually I pop up there uh, first thing. So that way I can be done talking before my kids start uh, showing up for school. So <laughs> totally. uh, I was like, I got to pop up because uh, technically I open at seven 30, but my kids don't show up till eight or eight or later. So, um, so yeah, so that's where you can find me and I would love to chat with you, learn from you. Um, or also if you have any resources, I am building, um, trying to build some really great resources for nannies, especially um, trying to, like I said, bridge that gap between the homeschool world that has, I think, all these great resources and bridge the gap um, and share it with nannies. So if you have any resources like that, definitely reach out to me. Um, I'd love to collaborate. Um, yeah. Love that. Yes. And all of those links will be down in the show notes. So yeah. check them out down there. Um, and for any listeners who don't know what the show notes are, I, cause I realized that like I have a podcast and so sometimes I feel like I'm assuming that people know things. Um, if you click wherever you're listening to this, there's the start of a description underneath the podcast. If you click show more, it will show all of what we're talking about, all of these links. <laughs> like the info, the description. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what about. That's what they call yes, it on Facebook about. pages. About. Yes. Um, so yeah. if you click that, it will show you all of it. And if you can't figure it out, honestly, email me and I will walk you through it because I want you to get access to all these good links. So chroniclesofnanny at gmail.com if you if you are struggling with it, because 
technology is wild. Um, and it's moving so fast. And, and it's there's to too many things with. to remember. Yeah, there are. Wonderful. Well, we end <laughs> each episode with a fun, cute story. And Reagan has brought one. Yes. So I um, wanted to share just a tiny bit about um, my other passion is I'm also a photographer and I had the absolute sweetest moment just a couple weeks ago that really just bridged the gap between my two passions. Um, And so I was walking along with a mom and her adoptive son. Mm -hmm. Um, I was taking their pictures and sweetest little kid. And they had been holding hands and we had done some like holding hands and walking pictures and I'm walking ahead of them. We're starting to walk past and all of a sudden I hear him whisper to his mom, can, can I, can I go hold Reagan's hand? And she was like, go, go ask. And he just walks up can I hold your hand? And, and we held hands all the way back to the wagon. And it was just the sweetest little moment of like, one, this is why I do this. Cause, um, it was, I was a weekend of family portrait projects, which is, I give, um, many sessions away to foster families and adoptive families. Um, and so that has been a way that I can give back to the community through my photography, but seeing like the childcare aspect and like, you, you know, you, you nannies know, they know, kids know, yeah. they just, they're magnetized to you. Um, so it was just a really, just absolutely sweet moment of, you know, everything coming full circle and just a, a big light of happy in my, in my weekend. So. Oh, I love that so much. And they do, they totally know their spirit knows your spirit, right? They, they see your eyes and like you lock eyes and then all of a sudden they can't, you can't get away from them for the rest of the day. <laughs> Most, most of the time it's beautiful but sometimes, sometimes right yeah sometimes you're like I need I need my space right um, and then you can have talks about that and turn it into a teaching moment it's beautiful right? um, <laughs> we can't turn it off I know I know um awesome well thank you so much Reagan for taking time to talk with us today and um I look forward to having you back on yes absolutely thank you so much And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.